Hello and welcome to the Drink In Geek Out podcast. This is a show where we drink beer and geek out. Welcome again. This is Saf, and I'm here with my friend Keith. Hey, Saf. <laughs> and this time, Keith is going to really geek out on Assassin's Creed. I can't say that I am because I don't know a lot about it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You <laughs> but don't. But <laughs> this is a light episode. We got some Assassin's Creed coming up, and we got a beer from Three Floyds that go along with it. So. Absolutely excited for all of this episode. <laughs> You're so excited. I'm kind of excited to learn more about Assassin's Creed because I don't know much. All right. For those of you that don't know about Assassin's Creed, it is a franchise centered on an action-adventure video game series developed by Ubisoft. 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 It depicts a centuries-old struggle pitting the assassins who fight for peace and free will against the Templars who believe peace comes through control of humanity. The series features historical fiction mixed in with real-world historical events and figures. The series took an inspiration from the novel Alamut by the Slovenian writer Vladimir Borko, <laughs> uh, while building upon concepts from the Prince of Persia series. I did kind of you notice that. that. I played a couple of those games, and I watched... I, I shouldn't say I don't know anything about Assassin's Creed. I did watch the movie. That's like my only <laughs> thing <laughs> I know it. about it. And I played some Prince of Persia, and I do see the similarities there. Mm-hmm. And I also saw the Prince of Persia movie, which was terrible, too. So, oh, <laughs> Jake Jones. Uh... <laughs> The franchise began in 2007 with the release of Assassin's Creed. The main video game series consists of 10 entries developed by Ubisoft Montreal, the single player, and Ubisoft Enixi, who developed the multiplayer series, uh, released on PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, Xbox 360, Xbox One, Wii U, Microsoft (laughs) Windows, and the OS X platforms. Many spin-off games have been made for Nintendo DS, PlayStation Portable, PlayStation Vita, iOS... HP Web OS, Android, Nokia, Symbian, and Windows Phone phone platforms. The handheld versions are developed by Gameloft and Graphonite Studios, with additional development by Ubisoft Montreal. So you mentioned multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Um, what's a multiplayer Assassin's Creed game like? This, uh, the multiplayer Assassin's Creed started with Assassin's Creed Unity, which we'll get to in a little bit, um, but that started the online multiplayer, oh. that there are certain things that you can join, you can do missions, um, so that each of the individual missions you can team up with three other people. Oh, really? So um, it's re- it was really cool, I, though I didn't have many friends that played it. So <laughs> yeah, so you're just I teamed up with some strangers. random guy once, but it was they kind usually of They usually like, yeah... Because you're supposed to work together. It's just like um, a Call of Duty or whatever. Mm-hmm. You have a mission. So this guy's going to go take out you know, the power station over here. So you could have multiple people say, I'm going to go create a distraction for the crowd to get these people out of the way while the other guy will sneak up through the roof to try to come in and assassinate. That's, I mean, that sounds fun. So you come up with your own plan and plotting. So it's a little sandbox area, as they call these games. Okay. And you're in this own little world, and you you can team up with other guys and try to create these easier assassinations. I had to do most of them alone, which made it ten times more yeah. difficult in that game. Yeah, you really need friends that have the game and want to yeah. play with you to do that, I feel like, yep. for it to be more fun. But it, it was a neat concept, and I think it really expanded the franchise. So, so have they done that, like, multiple different games have done they, that since, like, the they last They did it with the one games. after that with Syndicate, and this new one coming out, uh, Origins, that just, just was released. Out. They went back just to single player. Yeah, I feel like, like that's... Probably they, easier and more popular anyway. They revamped it. Because for me, it was a lot easier because I was upset when Unity came along and they introduced the multiplayer and think, man, I, nobody else I know plays right. this. <laughs> like, it's not or anything. Can you amazing. play cl- cross platform or is it like you have to have the PS version? They, 
I think they released something later on. It was a patch that you could do with other games. Don't hold me into that, <laughs> though, but I, I'm pretty sure I remember reading about that. Yeah, because I know Pale Pism too, but he usually just borrows your game yeah, he and does. plays He borrows them. mine. And so you can't them. really play multiplayer when you're both using the same disc. Well, can actually, you? you know, you can save them to your hard drive. Oh, really? That's so, yeah. So technically we could, should be able to, I think. Maybe right. they got rid of that. Anyway, please continue. Moving on. All right. So the Assassin's Creed series has been well received by critics and has sold over 100 million copies as of September 2016, becoming Ubisoft's best-selling franchise and one of the highest-selling video game franchises of all time. And I'm sure that's gone up since the release yeah. of the most recent game. When there's 10 games. <laughs> yeah. The video game series has also been expanded into a film, comics, and novels all of which take place within the same continuity as the main video game series. Oh, so it's wow. one universe and all these things take place throughout it. So are these <clears throat> different assassins related or are they just different guy every time? Ooh, good question. <laughs> Let's get to that with the first game. <laughs> oh, okay. Where we're introduced to everything, the Assassin's Creed game. Assassin's Creed is a 2007 sandbox style action arc Action Adventure Stealth Video Game developed by Ubisoft Montreal and published by Ubisoft. <laughs> the game was released on the Xbox 360 PS3 in November 2007 and the PC in April 2008. The game centers around the use of a machine dubbed the Animus, which allows the user to view the genetic memories of his or her ancestors, centers Centering around the protagonist, a bartender named Desmond Miles. Mm -hmm. As Desmond relives the memories of one of his ancestors, the assassin... Altair in la Ebenelade. <laughs> Thank you. Who live in the Holy Land during the Third Crusade. Details of a battle between two ancient sects, the Knight, Knights Templar and the Assassin Order, emerge as both score... Scour. Scour of an artifact known only as a piece of Eden. All right, so this takes a lot of setup. Um, unless you want to finish that. Um, it's just one more sentence. Assassins received primarily positive reviews for both its story and gameplay and received several awards in the 2006, 2006's E3 in November 2009. Wait, what? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a different sentence. Just, <laughs> a sequel came out. And we'll get a to sequel that came out, yeah. Um, okay, so this one started it all. This is where I was first introduced to this. I was at my cousin's, and he goes, here, I have a PS3, because, you know, it was new at that time. So I started playing it, and I ended up falling in love with that and not really paying attention to my cousin, who I went to go visit, <laughs> and we just ended up playing that game the entire time. So, um, all right, so it stems with Desmond Miles. He was a, just a bartender minding his own business, and then he was kidnapped by this company called Abstergo. Yes. And is he... Okay. Is this the guy from the movie, or is this a different guy? Uh, I don't think Desmond was in the movie, okay. so no, this was a different guy. But it follows the same premise as the movie. Right, that's kind is, of, yeah. yeah. It's pretty much the same thing. So um, Desmond had no idea he was an assassin or anything like this, so he got kidnapped, and there's this Warren Vidic, this really mean old fart that straps him <laughs> to the machine saying you have to do this. So they access his genetic code and throughout his DNA they take him back in to relive his ancestor Altair mm -hmm. um, and they go through um, all his ancestry well mostly with him um, and he doesn't understand what's going on why he's being held captive this we were not really introduced to assassins versus Templars at this moment we were in the video game and how Altair is an assassin and he's trying to figure it out and 
it all stems with this piece of Eden that he captured at the beginning of the series. So what is this piece of Eden? They call it the apple. So that you make a throwback into Adam and Eve, the creation Eden, story that this the is Garden the apple. Um, and this plays all throughout, and I'll explain as the games go along. So we were first introduced to this. We get to relive ancient Jerusalem, um, Acre, all these ancient sites. I mean, it's so cool that you could go back to the 1200s and kind of explore all this. So as a history teacher and a religion teacher, that's, <laughs> it combines that's it. why I, you know, I love this. And it's just like, oh, man, the best of both worlds right here. So And they base it off of true historical events. Obviously, it's fake. Right. But... You know, it's neat how they flip it back to the whole Adam and Eve creation mm -hmm. and what is the use of this apple that has been sought after for so many years. And the apple was in King Solomon's temple, and they pulled it out of the Ark of the Covenant is really what it was. <laughs> nice. So it's like, Indiana it's like Jones. this godlike powers that this apple has and can manipulate matter and all sorts of things. And that's where we're first introduced to all of it. So... I just love the exploratory factor of all these games. I love and open world and thing. do your own thing. That's you can like climb favorite. up buildings, jump off, like walk around, explore the town. Do I'm I'm guessing there's like different missions you can just do yes. on the streets or whatever. And this, a lot of people didn't like it because there was like six people you had to kill in each city you went to. Two people per city, I believe. And there were like seven tasks you had to complete before you could kill them. But the game said you only had to complete three of them. Mm. So a lot of people said the same three tasks. You had to... It was the same thing in every city. It was right, very repetitive, yeah. which I agree with, which was kind of shitty. But I was still exploring a new area. It was something new to do and see if I could it's perfect it each time. To... So to me, it was still fun. A lot of people, it turned them off, be like, I'm doing the same shit yeah, everywhere I Yeah, it's kind of repetitive. And, yeah. yeah, I can see that. But, but I was so enveloped in the storyline, and that's what kept me hooked. And yeah, most people don't care about the history or like even right. look at... They like, just wanna, I want to go stab They don't people. even explore this because they don't realize like this is based on like real exactly. maps and shit like that, I'm guessing. Exactly. All right. Assassin's Creed 2. Assassin's Creed 2 is a 2009 video game developed by Ubisoft Montreal and published by... Yeah, we got yeah, that. Yeah, we can skip that. <laughs> it was released in November 17, 2009 on PS3, Xbox 360. The PS3, PC version was released on March 9, 2010. So they're like six months behind, it seems like, on PC. Mm -hmm. A direct sequel to Assassin's Creed. The game focuses again on Desmond Miles after the escape from Sturgo <laughs> Industries with the help of Lucy Stillman in an attempt to thwart Abstergo and the modern day Templars Desmond uses a new animus to relive the genetic memories of his ancestor Ezio Auditore de Frenz <laughs> who lived in Italy during the Renaissance the player controls Desmond to a degree but primarily Ezio, 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 and becomes an assassin after his family is betrayed. While controlling Ezio, the player can explore renditions of major Italian regions and cities through a mixture of action, stealth, and economic gameplay. So in this game, they took everything good about the first one and made it better. And this is a second protagonist, and it's still in his family. Yeah, it's line. still the same so the guy. Character, but looks like Desmond, so it's still his ancestors. Um, but they just got away from Altair altogether. So this is where we're first introduced. Like a centuries later yeah. or something? This was in the Renaissance period, so about 300 years later in Italy. 
Um, he, this <clears throat> Auditore family is real. They existed. Oh, really? Um, and I looked up the history all on this because this is what really hooked me into this <laughs> series was the whole Ezio thing. Um, his family was hung. His two brothers and his dad was killed in the town square. Oh, in, wow. in real history, Ezio mm-hmm. disappeared and nobody knew what happened to him. Interesting. So I'm sure he was afraid and hid the Probably. real one in yeah, real life. I mean, he wasn't but, yeah. <laughs> an his family was tried for treason and he escaped. Um, but in this case, his family was killed and he witnessed it. His dad was an assassin and was betrayed. Uh. So he found his dad's stuff. His dad told him, said, go get my trunk, take whatever's inside. Um, so that's how he was brought into the assassin family. So cool. he claimed revenge on his family. And this revenge has been plotted out over the past three, well, the three games. This is called the Ezio Trilogy. This game and the next two that follow all have to do with Ezio. Oh, really? So it's all him getting his revenge for his family and trying to um, go from there. So it's all Desmond? It's Desmond still in the machine yeah. in the modern day. So you have the modern day storyline and then you have the Italian storyline in the Animus. That was always weird to me. That So it's two different storylines. <laughs> and a lot of people were kind of upset at this. This is where they're like, okay, why do we have the modern day storyline still? Is it necessary? It, or... I think so, because when this came out, it was playing towards December 12, 2012, which, you know, everybody said that was going to be the end of the world, yeah. the Mayan calendar thing. So it was building up to that moment. And, now we passed um, and then that, that moment came. <laughs> five years and ago. There's still part of modern day storyline that's still going on, and a lot of people really don't care about it. Yeah. They've really downplayed it. I'm still interested in it because I want to see how it You just want to see up. how it plays out, yeah. But uh, a lot of people, you know, they shit all over and be like, I just want to jump through history and kill yeah. people, so... That always seemed like it, just an added-on thing that wasn't really necessary. I, f- I feel like people are more interested, like mm-hmm. you're saying, in just being the assassin, not being this guy that is being the assassin, basically. Right. But so in I mean, this story, and, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, in this story, we're introduced to Leonardo da Vinci. Oh, cool. um, he is like um, the M, not M, but um, Q. Q. Uh, Q branch. In this, the Q branch, pretty much, because he. <laughs> He eventually gets the apple, the same apple, although we find out there's multiple artifacts in this game, not just the apple. Um, that Leonardo, he that's why he was so great in inventing all these things, yeah. because he, he saw, he learned a lot from the <laughs> apple. Um, and he invented, you know, all this new technology, his flying machine that Ezio used <laughs> to go out and try to fly. Yeah. And So it was really cool how they combined history with all of this. And a lot of great Italian... Um, scholars and people make an appearance in this and they all are assassins mm. so it's really cool like Niccolo Machiavelli oh really um, so he's, he's like one of the leaders of the assassins so he's kind of introduced all this his uncle Mario and this is the little easter egg they put in there <laughs> yeah. when he first meets him he goes it's me Mario <laughs> nice. Uncle Mario does it have so, the other Ninja Turtles too uh no unfortunately <laughs> not. But, just Leonardo just Leonardo uh, but it's really cool how he um he becomes kind of his own assassin, and this is where we find out that he needs to take out, he finds out who the main villain is that ended up killing his dad, and it was the Borgia family, and in this next game, which we'll introduce here in just a second, second, he becomes, the bad guy becomes the Pope. Oh. Uh, and this is true because he really was yeah. and the Pope was corrupt at this time so it's like wow. oh my gosh this is so cool how history and everything is combined so. they must have planned that ahead of time I'm assuming oh yeah so I'll let you introduce right. the next game Assassin's Creed Brotherhood Brotherhood is a 2012 game yep it's Ubisoft all that <laughs> it's a direct sequel to 2009 uh, Assassin's Creed 2 picking up right 
after the conclusion of the previous game. The story once again features Ezio, now legendary master assassin, as he strives to rebuild the assassin brotherhood in Rome by bringing down the tyrannical Templar family, the Borgia, Borgia, and bringing the city into the true wealth wonder of the Renaissance. And actually, H was it HBO? They have a show called The Rome. Borgias. Oh, they have um, Rome, too. It, with the same characters in this video game, and it's because they are real in real life. They were. Um, and it kind of centers on the same thing, the corruption with this. That's cool. So the guy became Pope, and he had like three kids, and they were all dicks. Um, <laughs> and Cesare was the son, and he was drunk with power, and he really wanted the apple for himself. So it was basically Ezio taking on Cesare because he destroyed the assassin home that he lived in. So it was all him getting revenge. So he has to take the fight back to Rome, and he and Rome was a shithole at this time. It was not... It was the start of the Renaissance, so it goes to show how Ezio played a role in the Renaissance mm-hmm. to really change Rome around. Um, and he got he built up the Brotherhood. It wasn't just him as the assassin, so he was rebuilding and brought it to the people. The people wanted justice. The people. So this is where it comes into the whole freedom. You can't take away the free will. Templars want to take away free will of everyone, and they want to have peace and prosperity by forcing you to do things. And the assassins want peace and prosperity by letting people choose to, yeah. the right thing not to take away people's free will and control them so um long story short he builds up his assassins um and he gets different characters along with him in the gameplay of this that you can as you build up your assassin brotherhood that when you go into big battles you can have groups of assassins that you can oh. assign to so if there's a huge guard blocking the entrance you can send 15 of your assassins hmm. to go create a distraction while you, you go jump, jump in. in and to go. So it's kind of like the multiplayer element. It's multiplayer, but, but you control the force of people yeah. Yeah, that you can send and bring with you. So it was really neat um, how you can do that. And there's always, you get the help of the whores in town. He always <laughs> goes to the brothels and rebuilds those. And, the, you know, you can distract the guards with the women. Yeah. Um, the th- different thieves that are in there um, that you can go to the thieves guild and do that. And then you have your brutes, basically the big tough guys that you can go around that swing big axes and hammers that can help take out some of the bigger guards so you go around and you rebuild the city that way you have support and everyone's behind you as you go take out That's the corrupt the, pope the leader of the yep. city or country or whatever you call it so we find out that the pope in here has the papal staff and that is the second piece of eden that uh. goes with the apple so it ended up being the apple versus the staff and obviously Ezio wins and <laughs> comes across it Unless so, you da- lose. Unless you lose. <laughs> then you have to try again. Which leads us to our next game. Um, Assassin's Creed Revelations is a 2011 video game published by Yep and Yep. A direct <laughs> sequel follow-up to 2010's Brotherhood. Revelations is the fourth in the series. Revelations continues the story of Desmond Miles, who has fallen into a coma due to the events of the previous game. In order for him to awaken again, Desmond must... Relive the last significant memories of his ancestor, the assassin, Mentor Azio, Ezio, who sought out the secret library of the mentor of the Levantine, Levantine assassins, Altair, Altair. <laughs> in 1511. So this is where, this is the end of the Ezio trilogy, and we have Ezio's world meet up with Altair's. So we go back and fill in those gaps of what happened with Altair and the original Apple. So it's like the first two games games coming together. But this really, the second game is a trilogy. 
it's three games in one. That's <laughs> yeah. why the next game's called Assassin's Creed Three. So that because, continues that. Yeah. So I know it's it's a bit of a stretch, but when you get in here, so Desmond he has to go deeper into the Animus to come out of his coma, and you just it's Inception the movie all over again. <laughs> Another a dream layer. within a dream, yeah. a layer. He's down at the bottom of the Animus, down into his mind, and he has to work his way to build his way back out to get back to reality. So it's kind of cool with those two different facets of the game. And we're coming to find out that Ezio in this, that he is the chosen one in the modern world. And at the end of the game, we realize that Ezio was nothing but a conduit trying to send a message to Desmond. Oh. So at the end of the game, Ezio finds Altair, his body, which is kind of cool that he goes to his tomb where he was and he finds this little code. And Ezio says, I realized my mission in life was not just for revenge of my family, but I was a living conduit trying to talk to you, Desmond, hmm. because he heard that name before. So he heard all these, the ones that came before, like Juno and Mars and Jupiter, are those Greek gods were the real gods in charge and they created mankind and mankind rebelled with the use of the apple. Okay. So that's why Adam and Eve were the first to escape with the apple to realize the truth and try to, you know, build up humanity once again. Um, so anyway, they understand that the world is ending and Desmond has a choice that he can save the world or not. To save the world, he has to sacrifice his life. Obviously he does, and that's the end of Desmond. Okay. And I really loved his story. But that was the that's end. A he, good decided, conclusion. he decided to save the world, but he released Juno. Um, into the techie world so now she's in the interwebs and she's trying to gain power and that's where we're at in the current ones is all her trying to gain power to now recontrol the world so the remaining assassins are trying to take out juno now oh um the ancient god yeah <laughs> trying to reclaim the earth once again um but revelations now back to that story is where Ezio he wants to find his father's original work was to find altair's original library and that's where he ends up, and that's where he finds Altair. But he is in Constantinople this time, and it, the gameplay first introduces bombs and different weapons mm -hmm. and, like, cherry bombs that you could distract a guard with to go elsewhere, or you could just blow the shit out of them. <laughs> nice. So it's all... Because you know Constantinople is the trading post of the world, so you had all the Chinese fireworks and firecrackers mm -hmm. that they were creating, all these different types of bombs. So all sorts of new guards and new assassins and new techniques. You got the hook blade that you could hook from one building it's to like the a next. Hook shot. A hook shot, yeah. <laughs> so that was really cool, going from place to place. And Ezio's a pretty old man. He's in his 50s by this time, so he's the master mentor. He's the he's lead the hot, of all the, the assassins. Yeah, Because he kind of built up the Brotherhood up. in the yep. previous game. So he is the the best assassin in the world, and he's trying to find out and finish his father's original work, which was to find Altair, which he did. Mm -hmm. And um, Altair knew this was happening, and he left these little codexes around, he goes, I'm, I built this for someone, a message for the future. I don't know who. And it was for Ezio because he was contacted through Desmond, through <laughs> the Animus. So Altair knew it's... all this by looking at the Apple in that original game, that this is what my purpose in life is, is to send this message. And connect all of the connect it all. previous and games. The and... gods had control of this, that they wanted, you are the one that can save the world, Desmond. So it's all through those two ancestors that all that came to be. Which leads us to a completely new storyline with Assassin's Creed 3, which is why they called it 3. Ah, so this is a whole new guy. Yep. Assassin's Creed 3 is a 2012 sandbox-style game. Um, in the fifth main title of the Assassin's Creed series, and it is a direct sequel to Revelations, the game tells the story of Haytham? Haytham. Haytham Kenway. 
and uh, just call him Connor. That's his American <laughs> Connor. name they give him. He's a Native American. Uh, set in the American Northeast in, from 1974 through 19, 1754 <laughs> and 1783 during the French and Indian and American Revolution Wars. It was, It also concludes the modern-day story of the descendant Desmond Miles. Um, it was released on the Xbox 360, PS3, on October 30th of 2012 in the United States, while the PC version was November 20th. So it's getting closer, <laughs> and that's quite the biggest gap between yeah. those. The game also was released on the Wii U in North America on November 18th. I thought I'd throw that in there because Nintendo finally yeah, when fine. they made the, <laughs> the Wii third U, one. They yeah. finally get an Assassin's Creed. They could game. get into it. Um, this one is really cool. This was the poster that you gave me, and mm-hmm. I think we'll put this up on Instagram. Um, that it was something brand new. He's a Native American mixed with British. Long story short, the bad guy in here is Hatham Kenway, and that's his dad. Uh, so it's a whole Luke Skywalker, <laughs> Darth Vader story. This is one interesting to me because it finally gets into American history a yes. little bit. And Connor, he teams up with George Washington, yeah. and he's kind of like the secret American weapon, sending behind enemy lines and try to figure out. Um, yeah, so George uses him to help us turn the tide in the American War, um, Revolutionary War. And he, his mother is killed at a young age, and he comes to find this assassin brotherhood, and the main assassin... At this point, the Templars have succeeded, and they wiped out all the assassins uh, in America except the leader, and they left him alone because he was an old fart and he couldn't do anything. So they just yeah, let what's him he suffer do at this point because that would be more painful than killing him. Yeah, to watch every, all of his students basically exactly. get destroyed. So Connor finds him, and then he sees, you know, his cause and motivation, so that reignites it in the old guy. So he helps to train him and teach him right from wrong. But this sounds Connor, like Star Wars. <laughs> Exactly. Connor Obi-Wan. Connor uses um, the training for his own personal purposes just to gain revenge, of course, and he wants to continue to fight, and then he comes to the cause of you know freedom for everyone to save his people, and uh, it's got a good line in it in the little um, the teaser trailer, and I love in the mentor saying, everyone you love you know, has died, everyone you have trusted has turned their back on you, yet you still fight. Why do you keep fighting? And I love Connor's line because no one else will. Nice. So um, he continues that motivation. So, oh yeah, that little line, that would be cool. Um, So he continues the fight and he helps to kind of rebuild a little bit of the brotherhood here in America. He helps to fix up the old homestead and kind of find some new assassins. But um, you could explore Boston. You participate in the Boston Tea Party. (laughs) Um, So all the American history stuff. So this was really cool. Um, how he's intertwined in all that, and George Washington played a key role in it. And then there's this really awesome what-if story that if George Washington got the apple and he oh. became King George... Oh, yeah, I did see I, that. It was on it's that like poster. the downloaded... Yeah, it's it was downloadable. A, a DLC pack, yeah. yeah. And so you... It, it's a completely different world, and you still cross paths, and Connor is really just a Native American without assassin training, and he has to go kill King George. <laughs> um, so it's really cool because you have these nifty little animal powers, like you get your ancient wolf power. Yeah, it's, now it sounds like Zelda, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. That you go and you use... The well, different... the last game sounded like it too with the hook shot and the bombs. <laughs> uh, that's true, yeah. Um, so it was really neat uh, with that DLC, and you had to stop King George 
And then you all find out that it was just a, a dream. And at the end of the sequence, it's George looking at the apple saying, get rid of this. Yeah. Get rid of this. <laughs> it's like what he could, he's imagining yeah. could have happened if he kept the apple. So, which is why he turned down becoming king. And so they put that as, that's why he wanted to become president. We don't need another king. Yeah. There's problems with it. That's why he only served two so. terms, because he didn't want to be, just continue, yep. like, a monarchy. Exactly. So it's really cool how they tie in American history with all of this in the assassin line. So it's really cool. Does that lead us to Black Flag? Yes. This starts a new trilogy called the Kenway Trilogy. So we hear Connor, Black Flag. Um, so Hatham was his dad. Long story short, he ends up killing him because his dad was a Templar. Because Hatham's dad died, who was an assassin at a young age. Um, and he was taken in by the Templars. Uh, so he was assassin trained, and now he's but now he's a Templar. <laughs> and so they, it's this fight of ideals between Connor and Hatham. They still had respect for each other because of the father-son bond, but Connor eventually kills him. So this is a prequel. Oh. I know this is really weird, but you know movies do this all the time. So Black Flag is a prequel to Assassin's Creed Three, and this is Hatham's dad. So it's Connor's grandpa, and this is... Um, Oh, what's his name? Yeah, just go ahead and read it. Okay. Uh, Black Flag is a 2013 game. It's a six in the series. It's a sequel to the third game, it, which is confusing, but I guess it's, it does actually have the number in there. It's Yeah. It, they started... Oh, no. They stopped putting it in, in the next one. Okay. The, <laughs> the game um, has the player take the role of Abstergo Entertainment mm-hmm. Research um, and Analyst as the... As they explore the story of Edward Kenway, father of Haytham Kenway, grandfather to Connor, and the ancestor of Desmond. Um, Assassin's Creed Four Black Flag is set primarily on and around the island of the Caribbean Sea during the Golden Age of Piracy in the 18th century, with the three major cities consisting of Havana, Nassau? Nassau. Nassau and Kingston. Is um, Jack Sparrow in this game? Uh, no, but <laughs> Nassau is the pirate stronghold, and it's in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. So it's a, the same time period that this is set in. Blackbeard and everyone else is in this, and That's Captain cool. Kidd, and all these other big pirates. So it shows Edward um, working his way up, and he was not an assassin, he was a pirate. He ends up killing an assassin, oh. taking his clothes, and then pretends to be an assassin, and that's how he gets into the entire thing. Crazy. Um, this was the game that introduced naval warfare, which was awesome, how you can control ships and blow shit up. Um, so that really is the new introduction into the series. Yeah, so, to add a new segment to the game instead mm-hmm. of just jumping around buildings and stuff. And Desmond at this point is dead. However, uh, the Templars take his body and his DNA so you're hired as Abstergo, which is modern-day Templars, and they turn it into a video game saying, here, test this out. <laughs> test out this fun machine, the Animus that was now they can take and slide over your head as a 3D thing and, you know, do it that way. Um, so you're reliving Desmond still. He still has a part of it, but it's just part of his DNA, and you're not him. You're just some random person oh, okay. working for this company. And it's kind of cool because the assassins are going to try to recruit you and pull you out. So the modern day story is kind of convoluted, but this is where people like get rid of this shit. Yeah, it's just distracting from the main story. But um, so this was really cool seeing the Caribbean and the graphics increase. And it's just a very beautiful landscape. This was the first um, one that was ported to the next gen that this was on Xbox One. It originally came out on 360. I played it on 360. 
when I bought my Xbox One, it came free uh, so with you the new graphics. Both. So I have it on Xbox One. I never played it with the updated graphics, but I still have it. I may go back and do that. Um, so it came with it already downloaded. So it, this was the first one that was ported mm-hmm. to next gen. And that's also in the picture, the the Assassin's Creed Xbox Yeah, the box. little box that I have. I just threw that in there in the back. So, And Assassin's Creed Rogue, this one's um was an exclusive for the Xbox 360. This was where people were saying, now all this shit's going to be on Xbox One and we can't afford You still have a loyal Xbox 360 yeah. fan base. What are you going to do for us? So this was their answer to it saying... Probably this was like little bits and pieces of an old game, I think they <laughs> probably had and threw together to create this new storyline. So this was a 360 exclusive only, which pissed me off because my 360 was dying. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I can't well, play. When are they going to release this on Xbox One? They never did. No. So I had to fix my Xbox 360 just to play this game, Jeez. to go backwards technology to play it. But it was still pretty fun. So, um, a Rogue is an open world action adventure game. Released on PS3 and Xbox 360, November 11th, 2014, in the United States, and November 13th globally, March 10th on the PC. Um, Rogue follows the story of the assassin turned Templar Shay Cormac, Cormac, yeah. Cormac, between 1752 and 1760 during the Seven Years' War, and it is closing the chapter in the Ken- Conway Kenway saga. The game was written by Richard. Pharisee? Pharisee? I have no idea. Sounds French. Um, but this was kind of cool because this fills in the gaps in the Kenway storyline. So you have Edward, yeah. Haytham, and then Connor. It's like so in the middle kind of, fills of in Assassin's in Creed 3. Mm-hmm. It takes place before Assassin's Creed 3 and after Black Flag. So remember how I told you how the assassins all were killed in the Americas? Mm-hmm. Here's the reason why they were oh. all killed. So it takes us back to that and say... Because this guy, single-handedly, this assassin went out and destroyed the entire assassin organization. Because he in, wasn't in America. assassin and turned Templar. Uh-huh. And the reason why he turned, this was kind of a cool story, um, is that he was off to get a, uh, an artifact, another apple, that was found somewhere. Um, I believe it was in Spain. And if you remember the giant Spanish earthquake that completely leveled the city and there was total mass discussion, or destruction, this was a historical event during this time period. Um, it was caused by him leaving that <laughs> artifact. So he felt guilty because the assassins sent him on this mission. They didn't tell him how to take the artifact. He just, just took it. It's like it, Indiana yeah. Jones and, you know, you pull it and then all hell breaks loose. <laughs> so it created this huge earthquake and he felt responsible because he killed millions of people just because of his action. And the assassin said, well, that's, you know, collateral damage, your, whatever. Your fault, yeah. And here, here's another artifact we want you to go get. And he goes, no, this is bullshit. <laughs> he goes, I just killed millions of people and you guys don't see the problem with this. So he left the order. It takes revenge um, to go get revenge and then join the opposition. So that's where that all came from. That's kind of cool. It seems like a like a smaller little spinoff. Do we just mm-hmm. to fill in gaps, basically? Just to fill in the gaps because they were working on the next gen series, so they, it was kind of a little filler to appease the fans until yeah. Unity came out, which was the first true next gen game. Gotcha. In 2014, Unity was released. It's the sequel to Black Flag. The game. Has the player take on the role of a, an initiate, initiate as they explore the story of Arno Dorian, mm-hmm. who joins assassins to investigate the murder of his adoptive father and on behalf of his adoptive sister, Elise. 
Okay. De la Serre. <laughs> it takes place during the French Revolution. <laughs> uh, so here we go. A member of the Templars. It was released um, in North America on November 11, 2014, and available on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Um, it's set primarily in Paris during the French Revolution in the late 18th century, with two additional areas in Versailles and Saint Denis. Denis, Denis. I would imagine. <laughs> this is really cool, and how they tied this together. But you didn't know this till you got to like the end of um, Assassin's Creed Rogue. Because at the end of Rogue, Shea Cormac, his last job is to go to France. Uh-huh. And he attends a party and he stabs this guy and kills him. Assassin's Creed Unity starts with this strange man coming in, stabbing and killing this dude's father. So it's a <laughs> connection right <laughs> there. So it throws it off to the next one. So the That's guy he cool. killed was his dad who was a Templar, uh, his adoptive father, um, and then his adoptive sister but they were not really adopted he was like a servant more than anything right. so there's this love interest between him and elise all throughout um i really like this game this story however when it was released there was a shit ton of errors i don't know if you remember reading oh, yeah. about this and everyone's like screw this ubisoft can't get shit right blah 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 but by the time i buy a game and play it <laughs> it's already been patched everything's been and patched everything. and fixed so everybody's like oh it's the worst game ever I played it with zero bugs, zero issues, and I thought it was one of the greatest Assassin's Creed games because um, they had it all fixed by then. But that I do agree with the people; it is pretty shitty to put to out release a game, a game that's, that's not that buggy. done or whatever. Yeah, it's not even done, and yeah, so many issues with it. So it turned a lot of people off, and they stopped playing this. This introduced, as we talked about, multiplayer. It brought oh, a lot right. of people um, into the series, and you could really play online. You team up with other assassins. Uh, you work your way through the French Revolution. Arno has a had a pretty good personality, but he wasn't as quite as charismatic as Edward Kenway and Ezio and Altair, mm-hmm. but um, a lot better than Connor. A lot of people didn't like Connor because he was, I must get revenge for yeah. my family. He's a Native American, like typical yeah. Native American <laughs> monotone, like, yeah. Right. And he didn't have a one whole note. Lot. He was one sided. Um, you know, the rest of them were like flirts and, you know, showmen and they had funny one liners and, you know, Connor kind of shit all over that. But um, Arno brought that back in this game. So, for time's sake, we can just go ahead and move on, <laughs> move on to the next one. Um, Assassin's Creed Syndicate uh, is the ninth installment of the series. The conceptual title and screenshots of the game were first leaked in December 2nd, 2014, following which Ubisoft acknowledged the leaked assets about victory as genuine. The game was released in 2015 worldwide on the PS4 and Xbox One, while the PC version was a month later. On the and um, the game has the player take on the role of an initiate as they explore the story of the twin protagonists Jacob and Evie Fry, mm-hmm. both of whom are playable. The two arrive in London in 1868 as the Industrial Revolution reaches its climax bringing its lot of inequality and poverty in a city controlled by the Templars. To stop their rule, the Fries will take over the organized crime in an effort to gather an army and free London. Assassin's Creed Syndicate is set primarily in 19th century London during the Victorian era. Absolutely. So this is, um, you get your typical British, you know, chimney sweep. Hello, governor! (laughs) You know, that whole... Victorian era. Um, but this one was really cool because it introduced something completely new. 
Um, well, which really wasn't quite too new, but it was a main game that you could have a female character. Um, and they really strained yeah. to, to get a little bit more it's about time, equality. nine games. In. Well, there was one before that, but it was just on the like DS. Um, oh, yeah. That one set in New Orleans. And they eventually made that one for like the Xbox 360. Um, so they ported it up mm-hmm. and increased the graphics. And that was really fun because she was an awesome character. She was part of that Kenway Sagma as well. Um, but this was cool because Jacob was more... had the brute strength mm-hmm. and if you he was a head-on let's fist fight in the street type and evie evie she was more of the stealth um that she could easily creep around so you could so switch like between switching between donkey kong and diddy kong exactly it was the same thing <laughs> so you could switch throughout the game depending upon the mission some were exclusive you had to use that character as it built up the storyline mm-hmm. but um others you had to plan and be like do you want to be more stealthy here or do you want to go in with brute strength just push and they let you and, yeah. choose whatever you want. That's that a cool new kill, thing to do. Yeah. Um, and you had to choose what way do you want to do it and who do you want to switch in between. So it was really cool how they played this out. So this was the last game that I have played um, that I still own and I beat. <laughs> I played it several times. And then at the end of this game, Ubisoft came out and decided to say, well, in response to some of our fans that a lot of you say these games are the same, it's the same shit, we just change a few things here or there. We are not releasing a yearly game. We're taking a year off, and we're going to rebuild the franchise from the ground up. <laughs> so everyone's like, yay, finally. I'm like, boo. I have I nothing wanted... to do during the <laughs> yeah. summer now. <laughs> so I had to go back and play all the old games again. <laughs> um, so that leads us to Assassin's Creed Origins, which just came out about a month ago. And this was completely rebuilt from the ground up. Um, I'll go ahead and take this. Yeah. It was the 10th main installment in the Assassin's Creed series developed by Ubisoft. It was released uh, October 27th. And this goes back to thousands of years before. It's one like in Egypt or In whatever. ancient Egypt where apparently the order first started. Um, and I read a little bit of the synopsis of the game that this guy is basically, it's revenge. His son was killed, so he's going out and killing everyone that, you know had mm-hmm. a say in killing his family. So the Punisher, basically <laughs> ancient Punisher. Um, and he's going out and he gets people behind him and they want to strive for freedom. And, you know, so they're all trying to fight and it forms this creed, this brotherhood um, that a lot of people want to join and, you know, fight for freedom and all that. So, so does this one include like the animus? I'm not stuff? sure what the outside story is. They never release that. You have to play the game because people don't care about that. <laughs> yeah. <the> true fans <laughs> that want to know about that, you have to play it to see. I'm sure it's still following this another initiate that you're you know, trying to be plucked by the assassins to get out of the Templar era or the Templar company or something like that. I don't know. But I will be buying this game on Black Friday because <laughs> it's $25 cheaper than if I bought yeah, it. Yeah, today. Yeah. Um, so I'll be purchasing it then and hopefully be playing it next weekend. I may start it and get a little taste of it, but if not, I'll definitely be playing this one on Christmas vacation coming up here soon. And then we can do a follow-up episode to kind of learn more. Sure. But going back to syndicate a little bit, um, so we don't learn any more, like we're not going to learn any more about like, cause they're going back to the origins now. So we're kind of, you're kind of left in the wind about like that storyline. Oh, that's wrapping uh, Jacob up. Jacob and Evie's. Um, that really came to a good conclusion. Oh, okay. They kind of wrapped that one up pretty good. That they didn't need to stretch that one out to anything else. Because so. some of these other guys span three, four games. Yeah, they had multiple <laughs> stories, but th- they wrapped theirs up pretty good. Oh, that's good. 
All right, I think that leads us to our beer at this point. Yes. It's more talking than Keith's ever done. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I could go on for days. Yeah, we can fill up a couple more episodes, but let's go get some beer. Are you a discerning beer drinker? Do you drink beer for the tastes of black currant and old leather? Can you tell the difference between Simcoe and Citra hops, despite whatever type of beer you might be drinking? Yeah, sorry, that's not this podcast. You want to listen to somebody else. We here at the Speak Podcast do regular beer for regular people. Joe Six Pack Beer at Joe Six Pack Taste. That's Rob, Adam, and Pete, proud members of the Hopped Up Network. Three guys, two beers, one show. All right, this beer we have for Assassin's Creed is from Three Floyds Brewing Company. You've heard of them before? I'm I sure. think so. Um, this is called the Canis or Canis Invertus. This Flemish-style red ale pays homage to a little-known sect of assassins. Slightly tart with a subtle maltiness, this beer is sure to please. Traditionally, it was consumed by the jugful. Uh, jugs. Which reminds me, I think they tried to do that because of the what is on the bottle. I'm thinking this scary-looking Viking. Like and I'm a, thinking yeah. like a jug. Mm-hmm. Or, as Saf and I in our research, <laughs> we found out that this was, what was it called? A titty... Tidious or something. Big titties. Tidious, yeah, big titties or big titties <laughs> ale or something like that. And it had very scantily clothed women on it, and obviously people took offense to yeah, that. So they just said tape over the nipples. It was yeah, kind of kind a little risque. Yeah, risque. Um, so they changed it to this and changed the name to Canis Invertus, which basically is like upside down facing dog in Latin. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. This bottle's pretty badass. They have a Shit. pretty good um, substitution picture. Um, the, it's like it's fiery eyed Viking, yeah. or like kind of the troll, uh, the guy, the dwarf from Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, like yeah, guy. he looks like that dude. <clears throat> Uh, the artist is Hugo Silva, designer Zimmer Design. So I guess that's who did the artwork. And it's really cool. It kind of also looks like um, there's like static in the picture of some sort. Like, yeah. You, like he's trying to get into the animus or whatever. Oh, <laughs> see, it's got, I picked this for a reason. <laughs> An unknown sect of assassins, and they're coming through the animus with this little digital stuff going yeah. on. Yeah. That's so cool. Whoa. I didn't notice it on the bottle, but on the website. Yeah, I see it now that you said it, because if you look up towards the top, his There's little horns up there. little, yeah. like, staticky lines going Wavy. through the picture. But yeah, this is a badass bottle. Um, it's a Flanders, or what was it called? Flemish style. Flemish style. style. Red, Red ale. Which, nowhere on it said sour, but when we did our research, apparently this is a yeah, sour so beer. so this is going to probably disappoint, Us, especially for yeah. a Three Floyds. But it is 6.5 ABV. Um, but after we poured it, we have it sitting here in front of us, and the smell—you can smell, ooh, yeah, stings that kind nostrils. of soury smell, which it's worrisome. But I'm very curious to try this. The color—it's not it as red says as I it's thought. Red, but it looks more like amber. I mean, yeah. like orange. Like a I'd dark... say it's about as red as our red turn of the Jedi. <laughs> uh, well, that was like almost more black than yeah, the red, true. and this one's like more orange. But I mean. There's there's a red hue to it, I'm sure. Yeah. And um, it's pretty dark, kind of. You can't really see through it and when you hold it up to the light or anything. Not much head, yeah, just not a little a lot ring. Of all. But that kind of smells like wine more than it anything. It does. It yeah. really does. 
It's, ooh, I'm scared. All right, let's do this. Or as the assassins call it, a leap of faith as you jump off. Ah! <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I feel like I've been stabbed by an assassin. <laughs> I've been betrayed. Oh, this is wine. Holy cow. Yowza. It's got a different flavor, though. Not just the super sour, but that back end. I'm trying to think what that is. I think, take away the sour, the flavor's not that bad. But it's just like like a warhead or something, Mm -hmm. almost. like Initial punch in the mouth. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a sour. It's, uh, Jason says on Untapped, for very tasty, nice sour, and grape-ish. And mellows nicely yeah. into the. Red. I mean, it's kind of got that wine, wine. grape yeah, flavor. Grape. I don't see like anywhere where it says kind of what fruits they use to produce this. Toasted malt, red berries, flavors all over the place. Um, sharp, ex- ecstatic characters. Some sour cream, grapefruit leather, muddled, bright carb. Not ideal. <laughs> <laughs> Other people, ooh-wee, this is tart and sour. This person says it's like a tangerine sour. I kind of get more like strawberry, yeah. I think, like the red fruits. But maybe it's because of red in the description yep. makes it think. Tart up front, almost a sour strawberry finish, yeah. or raspberry finish. Finishes mm-hmm. like a savory biscuit. A lot of people say you can still get the hints of the malt in there. Yeah, the I, red do, ale. I do notice that if you can like push all that other stuff to the side, there is a malty flavor. A little bit of apple, I could see. Mm-hmm. Um, this one says Bomber pours a deep burgundy, I wouldn't say really burgundy, with virtually no head. Got candied red apples on the nose, apples, berries, and big sour taste. Earthy finish. Good stuff. My 100th rating. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of people saying the same thing. It's a little bit too sour. It's good flavor, but they soured it up way too much. But if it's supposed to be an assassin, it's supposed to kill you. Yeah, it's <laughs> killing my taste buds, that's for sure. Boo. I'm glad we didn't start with this one. Yeah, this would ruin my night. Mm. Not. <sighs> Rating's going to suck. I know. Because <laughs> I love three Floyds. This is going to be the lowest three Floyds for sure. The thing is, there's like some good stuff to it. I just think, if you're a sour fan, like you're sour you, fan, I feel yeah, like you'd, you'd love, love it. it. But not being a sour fan, um, it's hard for me to praise it. I'll say I did get this, um, I've had this one mm, since summertime when yeah. I was up at Three Floyds, um, and I noticed on their website that this is only available locally. Yeah, um, I So <coughs> this one came from the actual brewery itself. I think when I bought it, it was bottled on... Around that time. Around that date, July 10th, so... It's a few months old, but... Shouldn't I don't think that, that would really bad, which is probably much. why they don't send it out very far, um, <laughs> because of the sourness of it. On Beer Advocate, this gentleman says appearance pours light pinkish orange, which is a kind of the color I'm thinking more more orange than red, with white head that quickly dissipates, no lacing, aroma vinegar and tart lemon with a hint of funk. Taste mm-hmm. vinegar, tart, orange, and lemon. Malt and a nice oak flavor. Feel is dry and super puckering light. Overall, a decent beer. Vinegar overpowers just a bit. So I don't know if... I don't know how vinegar is created. 
but is it like a fermenting process? That, I would imagine. That or and then that's why it comes through in beer a lot, like sour beers a lot. The vinegar flavor. Mm-hmm. One guy said uh, it needs to be like oak aged a little bit more. I feel like that would be good if you like barrel aged it. Aged yeah. it. That would definitely help this out. I really love. I don't love the initial up front, but the back end. Yeah, I love this flavor. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit the with raspberry esque, strawberry esque. Um, That's why I feel like grape-ish. if you if you bourbon barrel age this, it would cut down that sour, sour up front and give you like a good like a whiskey type. Mm-hmm. Like Definitely. throw a shot of whiskey in here. I wonder what that tastes like. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm I know Three Floyds does that type of, sh- type of stuff here. In the- <laughs> it's killing you. Literally. <laughs> uh, they'll, where they'll have like special barrel-aged beers that they release. So I wonder if this is if they've ever done it with this one. I don't know. Because I know like Alpha King and stuff they'll do. Yeah, it's a tough one. Okay. Um, beer ad... Or, uh, sorry. Rate beer. There's no scores. There's only five ratings. And the average is 3.07 out of 5. So not much there. And same with Beer Advocate. There's only 7 ratings. But there's a 3.96 out of 5. So, I mean, I can't really help you. (laughs) Yeah. It does say on um, Beer Advocate that it is a Flanders Red Ale. So, I don't know if Flanders and Flemish are the same thing. I think so, because I saw on the untapped, a lot of people said, interesting take on the Flanders style. So, And I I have had, Sun King has a Flanders, stupid sexy Flanders or something like that. Mm-hmm. And now that I think about that, it's kind of a sour, has a sour taste to it. So it must have something to, to do with that style, has more of like a sour, sour take on it. On untapped, there's only 815 people have checked this in. So I think it was just last year that they it's a redid the bottle, new. yeah, from the Take, titties, from the titty, big titty bear big, or something big like titty, that. I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna look it up. Hold on. So out of 815 ratings, it's got a 3.78. So a lot of people oh, are big titty this. assassin. That's it, big titty assassin. I'll put a picture up of that too somewhere. So a lot of you may have had that one. Well, I don't know if you think about it. No. Punching the mouth up front with the sour taste, like getting hit in the face, big old titties. <laughs> yeah. Um, that one says Flemish style red air brown fermented in wood. Oh. So maybe maybe it's hard. Yeah, maybe there is like a wood taste to it. That's why you a barrel aged wood mm-hmm. kind of brings out that idea. It needs to be aged a lot longer. <laughs> or maybe not as long. Or not as long. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But once you get past, I feel like. That upfront sourness. There's, it's great. There's some. The there's some it. good notes in there. I don't have any friends that have checked it in, so you will hear soon. I'm curious. Sour, tart, funky, woody. It's got all those. Yeah. Multi. Yeah. All the above. <laughs> um. If Hannah tried this, she. Ooh. She probably would like this. I, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. A lot of wine drinkers, I think, would like this. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It does have more of a wine taste than a beer taste, which. Maybe a uh, a slushy version of this would be good. You'd cut down some of that sourness. Ooh, that's a good idea. Slushy this. <clears throat> huh. You may be onto something. Should I save the rest of my glass and push them, <laughs> crush them ice? That way you don't have to finish it. <laughs> exactly. 
I don't have a slushy machine. Any one of those Snoopy slushy machines? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. I'll start. I gave it a two and a half, which it's right in the middle of the road. If you like this style of beer, it's going to be higher. But, I mean, I feel like the upfront half of this I'm not a fan of, but I like the back half. So that's why I put it like right in the middle because I only like half of the beer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was sticking around that, and I think I'll do the same thing. <laughs> Many hand holding. <laughs> um, I'll also go two and a half, and exactly the same thing. It's just not my style. Mm-hmm. But if you enjoy these styles, my gosh, you will love it. Oh yeah. Super sour, way too sour for me. Um, like I said, nice back end and fruity and malty finish. Mm-hmm. Um, that goes along with it. So the little bit of beer is what kept that rating a little bit higher. Yeah, the ale part of this over the sour part. And if you like wine, like you said, especially like the more sweet, because it's kind of more sweeter of the wines, mm-hmm. and or the soury kind of grape-tasting wines, I think this will be right up your alley. Absolutely. Well, as they say in the Assassin's Creed franchise... Nothing is true. Everything is permitted. <laughs> Especially when it comes with weird beers like this. So, it almost sounded like, stay thirsty, my friends. Stay thirsty, my friends. <laughs> is he an assassin? Uh, ooh, he may be. <laughs> we don't know. He's the most interesting man. He would have to be an assassin. <laughs> All right. So, this beer assassinated my taste buds. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> and Keith taught me a whole lot about Assassin's Creed this episode. Hopefully you learned something too. Yep. Um, since you did all the talking this episode, I'm going to let you do a little bit more. Oh, and, okay. I can do that. And tell them how to get in touch with us. I'll kill you all with my voice. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DrinkInGeekOut. You can also check out our show notes and updates on DrinkInGeekOut.us. You can subscribe by clicking on the links on our website or by searching Drink and Geek Out on iTunes or Google Play Store. To suggest a beer for us to review, you can email us at drinkandgeekout at gmail.com or tweet us using the hashtag drinkandgeekout. And if you like the show, please rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Thanks for listening, and until next time, drink up and geek out. Ignore the dogs barking, if you can. (laughs) Wait a second. It could go on for another minute. Proud member of the Hopped Up Network.